Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning into their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning and impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourself in, and let's get fucking started. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Jerome Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Dozer, your host. And I'm Sophie. I'm so pumped to do this one, and I'll tell you why. It's because I see a lot of really good people that both want to do a great thing, but there's something in the way. It feels like they're just kind of misfiring. They're not connecting. What I'm talking about is great owners and great managers, but there's a gap in the middle, so it becomes an average studio. Hmm. Yeah, this happened in my breakout room the other day. And, you know, my breakout room are people that are, you know, they're good and they're on the way, they're great. And two owners were there and there was a manager there, right? Yeah. Good studio, but like they're not where they really could be. If I really dig in on what their potential is, they're nowhere near it, right? And the sort of original question was, how do they get their team more involved in sales and what's happening at the studio, right? And I said, well, obviously, um, a good place to start is your team meeting. So when's your team meeting? And then... The manager says, we don't have them. And then the owner goes, what are you talking about? We had one this morning. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's classic. And I just went, oh, fuck. Start there. Start there. So, question I want to ask you, Sophie, is owners might turn up to these calls and probably ask us, why aren't my managers listening? I get the nodding head, but the no action, right? We call it the nodding head-itis syndrome. Nodding heads, but no action. Why aren't my managers listening? And from a manager's perspective, so if I want to bring you into this episode and I want you to go full send with care, though, full send, what else might be going wrong? How might the owners be contributing to that situation? Okay, so we have an interesting perspective given the fact that we've both been owners and managers in practice, but we also speak to them every single week. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. So I'm going to represent the manager here, but I'm talking to the owners and there's probably three things that they need to make sure that they're nailing. And if they go three for three on that, watch what happens. Your life will become easier. You're going to get better results and your manager is going to have way more contribution to those results. Okay. Hit me. Now, I want to pre-frame with, sometimes the manager actually isn't the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not making excuses for them. This is not going to fix the wrong person being in the wrong seat. But if you want to attract and retain top talent, then you need to be aware of these three things and continually refine them. Mm. Okay. First thing, future. You've got to design a greater future for your manager than they could ever imagine. It is not motivating to wake up every day and make you rich. So what is it that you are building with them? 
And something that I've always found super motivating is I feel like Dozer really has my back and so does Ben on dreaming for a, you know, a bigger future and having this bigger vision for me than I ever believe possible. That's why I'm not just doing more shifts now on the floor. I'm helping hundreds of studios and their thousands of members every single week, every single day. I never would have imagined that. Mm. I put it on myself and I tell my team this. It is my job that every time we sit there and celebrate their birthdays, it is my job to make sure that they're sitting there going, I had no idea I could do this. So I would encourage you to think about how you can do that more with your managers. Yeah. And so this is the first step into generating great results and generating the actual care and investment in what you're trying to build for yourself. Not everyone's motivated by money and you would think, you know, maybe. Oh, isn't it just their job? Well, yeah, it is. But you've got to have a greater reason why you're getting out of bed every morning. Like, what is it that they're doing it for? What do they want to build? And then what do you see for them that they haven't even thought of yet? Mm. And then how are you guys actively working towards that and bringing it up in constant conversation, making feedback loops so much less subjective and Mm. more about the future version of them that we're both trying to build you towards? Yeah. When I did those episodes in Bali, With all those high performers, one of the things that high performers have in common is that they have a strong purpose behind what their field is. They feel like they've got this, you know, massive necessity around like why they're doing this. So for owners, if you're wanting a high performing team and if you want your manager to be a high performer, then start by replicating what high performers actually do. Mm. So that's the first thing. From my perspective, like the reason why I've stuck around isn't a dollar figure. It's not like how many hours we work per week. It's not any of that kind of stuff. It's not even necessarily the day-to-day pieces of work. It's because we're building something together and I feel like I can invest in that because I'm a part of it. And I've always been developed and pushed in that way. And not just me, everyone on the team. So we're all doing this together. You know, you think about a lot of the clients that we work with and the people that, you know, didn't make it through the academy. When you ask the owners, like, what's your vision? What's your purpose? What are you building? And they don't know versus, you know, we work with a client at the moment who has a 10-year vision, put $2 million into a new build, into a new factory, you know, 2x their membership base and just add a whole other layer in the middle of an economy that everyone's a bit panicky about. They're going all in. If that was Studio A and Studio B, or that's owner A and owner B, which studio do you think would have a higher staff turnover? Yeah. It's obviously going to be the one without the vision, right? You need to be a leader that people want to follow. So that's the first thing from my perspective. If I'm talking the managers that I speak to every single week, they want to get involved and they want to help. Owners are often like, how do I get my team to buy in? It's like, what are they buying into? That's the first thing. Second thing is direction and the how. I feel like a lot of the time we see people who are put into roles and they don't know how to succeed in them. This is one's huge. And, you know, if you are someone who's inclined to become really easily overwhelmed and you don't know what to focus on next, then how are you giving your team the direction they need to succeed? What I see happen all the time is that great people are put into positions and then they're not given the support they need with the tools that are required and then they don't know how to speak up about it. So then they end up burning out and quitting and then you're back to square one. And I have a similar story, which is not something we've spoken about on the pod before. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) The cat's out of the bag. (laughs) I was a clueless studio captain. I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was I wanted to do a really great job. Mm. I knew that people could tell if you care, and I really did care, and you guys know why. And I knew I just wanted to wrap my head around nailing the basics. So that was my approach as a manager starting in that role. Obviously, you guys have seen and heard and can probably imagine Dozer has all the ideas in the book. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're never short on ideas. Sometimes we are short on execution because you're not a process guy, right? So That hurt. <laughs> no, it didn't. But also thank you. <laughs> shout um, out to Benny. Yeah, massive shout out to Ben. So, yeah, we were flying. We had waves of new people that were inducting and getting on board. Every single week we had 20 new people starting in a studio that was already well over 250 members. Hashtag fuck the free trials, by the way. We had all casual team. I was the only full-time person that was working for the studio. We had a whole bunch of stuff, community, social plans, organic lead gen. We had the Facebook ads, going, like all of it, all of the stuff that we teach you guys. And so... Because I cared, because I wanted to do a great job, because I was just trying to learn, I was given the time and the space and the tools to really nail certain aspects of that role. Rollovers being one of them, like we would role play all the time. I knew I could call Dozer and I would always get the support that I needed. But it did also get to a stage where that's a lot. That's a lot. And I didn't actually communicate that I was struggling at a certain point. So I quit. Uh, completely. I did not see it coming. I completely winded me. And I went into like, what the fuck? What happened? What did I do wrong? Like, were we going too fast? Was there too much? Because like- Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's like, this is the first time I've heard about it. And it went straight yeah. to a resignation. Like, what happened? And I see this happen all the time. Obviously, I've grown from there and we had like a solid conversation where we could be honest with each other. But- And then I went to like, when were we not honest with each other? <laughs> But this is what happens. So this what? is what happens. So it's important that you've got a relationship with these guys and that you're actually not just high challenge, which is what our environment was, but it was also high support. I felt supported, but I also felt like I was taking all of this on. Maybe that's also my personality. But then there was no conversation around it. And you heard that in Rowan's episode about leadership. High challenge, high support. You've got to make sure that you've got that kind of environment. You've given these people a target. Hopefully they're bought into it now if you followed step one. You've got to plug them in with the right tools and you've got to show them what does great look like. I see these guys, they don't know what they're really expected to do. So they just work and work and work and they don't know where it starts and stops. They don't know if they're doing a good job so they just don't stop is that where i went wrong yeah back in the day it is so what would have been better um you did make it clear what the expectations were around kpis and stuff like that but obviously in a high performance culture where targets are so important and like growth is so important and i was all in on that but i just felt like if i had put my hand up and said i'm struggling to do all of this then i was slowing down the target but was that because of anything that i said no Maybe because of what you didn't say. In between oh. high challenge and high support is the psychological safety and the open communication around what the hell's going on. A really great place to start is how we started this podcast episode, a team meeting. Ooh. We had this, but on the agenda, you've got to have space for having like, what is the constraint? Where are we struggling at the moment? What is slowing you down? Are you actually managing with what you're expected to do right now, mm. right here? Again, this isn't an excuse for people who aren't actually fit for the role. Like you've got to make sure that they're hitting targets or if they're not, be curious as to like how the work might be contributing to that first before it's just like their fault. Google did a massive study of all their teams internally, like all the little project teams and the little scrum teams, all this stuff at Google, right? And what it all boiled down to when they matched the top performing teams that were shipping, you know, the biggest apps and generate the most revenue, the number one thing wasn't talent. It wasn't the size of the team and it wasn't the years of experience. The number one factor that was part of the most high-performing teams and one of the highest-performing companies in the world was psychological safety. Mm. 
feeling like it's okay to speak up and maybe say that they're struggling. And I was mortified to know that that wasn't there in my organization. But through a lot of years and a lot of me becoming coached by leadership experts, shout out to Rowan, uh, and you'll be able to hear that in previous episode with Rowan, our leadership coach, is kind of breeding that psychological safety and also like how to communicate, you know, an alpha personality with all the other different types of personalities as well. Yeah. And props to you. Like, you're super open to feedback. Like, I could have just spoken up sooner. But it's a learning journey. As soon as that conversation had happened, we changed the agenda of our meetings to fit that stuff in and make sure that there was room for it. Yes. All of this to say, like, you've got to give your people the right direction, the right environment, make sure that they get it, they want it, and they've got the capacity to do it. And you're constantly checking in on that. If you don't have a team meeting in place... Just stop this right now and put it in your calendar. Press pause. Get a team meeting in. And don't don't ask us what happens if you can't find a time for everyone to get there because little Johnny that does three shifts a week can't make it on Fridays. You know, majority rules and you mainly need to get your main team there, right? The rovers or the ones that do the sort of like the casuals on the weekends and stuff like that, there's other ways to make sure that they're on the same frequency as the rest of your team without having to hold up having a team meeting because Johnny can't make Thursdays. Yeah, (laughs) don't be that team. I'll give you an example of, again, like how this can be so powerful for you. So we have like additional coaching boosters for studios that need a bit more support, a bit Mm. more, you know, intensity in their business in short bursts. And I did that with a studio captain this week and we just ran, they're all tailored, but we ran a captain's meeting, her and I. I genuinely think that was the first time she'd ever have that level of direction ever in her whole role. Like how long has she been in that role for? I think it's been about five years. No way. So in five years time, the little one hour that she had with you. We got more done and there was more excitement, motivation, direction than I had ever seen. She's obviously great already, super like lovely self-starter, but I think it was this relief of like, oh my God. (laughs) On behalf of all the listeners, what the hell did you talk about? Yeah, this is a real short version of our agenda. It takes 60 minutes to set up your whole week to hit your monthly targets. Good news and wins. What's working well at the moment? Let's celebrate you for that. Then we did a scorecard review. So like looking at the dashboard and the numbers, this is exactly what we used to do back at the studio every week. I didn't tell her what I was seeing. I asked her what she thought. And I asked her what she thought she needed to do next. So now she's empowered and she feels like she can actually do something about it. So that understanding, and for me, was super empowering. Based on that, we also talked about what are the constraints at the moment. And I didn't solve it. I asked her what she thought she should do about it. And then we got there together. So we removed constraints, we set up a focus, and then we went, all right, what are the three things that we need to nail this week? If everything else fell to pieces, what are the three things that you're going to achieve with tangible targets to know that we've had a great week when we catch up this time next week? So we came up with those three things, and then we spent the rest of the time just focusing on any of the open loops that might be happening at the moment, quick wins that she can get out of the way, and booking in and time blocking for success so that she knows really clearly when she logs off on Friday, she's done a great job. As long as she sticks to those time blocks, hits those targets and, you know, can feel really clear about what's next and whether or not she nailed that. And that's a super familiar agenda for me because (laughs) for the last five years, that's what we've been doing in the studio and it's developed as well into, we do that every week in Geronimo as well. And not only that, but we put our targets as our screensaver on our phone. So every single day we're looking at how many of this do we need? How many sales? How many, whatever it is, whatever the targets are. So for her, it was like uh, six sales a week, five rollovers and a, a net three or four. 
And that's a very simple process that scales, you know, now in a business that's 10 times the size of any of the gyms that we had. It's a very scalable, simple, high-performing team meeting. Yeah. Versus like, what have you heard happens at some of these team meetings? There's no agenda. We're just complaining about things. No one turns up. Is it consistent? Like, does it actually happen? Only if the weather is, you know, above 30 degrees and there's no rain in the next week and, like, the planets have aligned and it's not Mercury retrograde. (laughs) And the whales are migrating. And, like, you have to bribe them with snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys loved snacks. Wait, no no hate on the snacks. (laughs) Um, But then at the end of that agenda, we also had questions. I'll read them out to you. Because they're real good, if I do say so myself. So, where do you need advice? How can I help you win? What do you need extra support with? What needs more attention? Listeners, love you lots. I want you guys to really think about when's the last time you asked those questions. And if you have asked those questions, maybe it's like the face you might have when you ask those questions. And I'm speaking to myself here. That That is a level of curiosity as leaders that we need to have to make sure that we've got our team's backs. If, like, why would you not want to invest in your team? Because that's your team and they are your product. You get to a particular point where, like, your product's not your product. Your people are your product because they're the ones that look after your members. So, why wouldn't we ask these questions? Mm, exactly. To make sure that your most important resource, your most precious resource is not your dumbbell, it's not your skier, it's your frigging people. Oh, you've just reminded me of a good one. So I've spoken to an owner before several times about their team who was nervous to install some of this stuff because what if they leave? What if it's too much for them and they leave? Mm. And to that we say, what if you don't develop them and they stay? That's scarier to me. No, thanks. So far, we've gone through future. They need to have a future that is bigger than just more shifts. And so, if you haven't listened to that episode, we talk about what do you stand for as a brand or the very earlier episode, we talked about a vision, having a purpose, having a why does your business exist? If you haven't done that and you don't have an answer for that, and it's got to be more than just the logo on the wall. If you don't have an answer for why you exist and what your big vision is, and I'm a vision guy, right? then it's going to be really hard for someone else to see themselves in your future if there is no future to your business. It's just like a share price, right? If you think about kind of sentimental investing strategies, you know, we're catching a share price. You know, we're investing in a company that we feel like the sentiment is increasing, right? Catching the share price as it's moving upwards and that's how we make the money versus you know, does anyone want to be part of a losing team? Does anyone want to be part of a team with no direction? Does anyone want to be part of a company that has a sliding share price? Absolutely not. So you may as well come up with a vision, like confront that. And if that makes you scared, then it's probably the right thing to do. Get that done. Share that with your team. Get them bloody excited about it because they're going to get excited about it because you're excited about it, right? And they're going to see themselves in it because they want to be part of that. And that's going to be so much more than what you see on a spreadsheet when you're looking at their KPIs. Yeah. And it's not just get them excited once. It's really live that through everything you do. So constantly, everyone knows about Aloha 2025. That's the vision that Dozer has written. It's a book. So there's an artifact. We put that in all of our team meeting slides. We talk about that every time we get a win, it's one step closer to that. And it's not just him driving that. It's peer-to-peer leadership to push everyone towards that vision. And we're all excited about that. We can see that because we know what that's going to mean when we set foot there. You know, so it's also how you bring it to life. Mm. So that's vision and future, both as a company and then on an individual level for your person that you're trying to get on board with what you're trying to achieve. Second thing is how the hell do they actually succeed in that role? How do we check in? And these things are fluid. It's not like you just have one good conversation and then they're right. I've already told them so. I've already told them. (laughs) I've already told them so. No, no, my favourite one. I've told them once. My favourite one. (laughs) 
It's written in their roles and responsibilities. <laughs> Where is that? In the drawer somewhere? <laughs> yes. No, it's written in their contract. Okay. So bring it to life and then make sure that every week there is a high-performing cadence to make sure that we are hitting these targets, but it also is in a way that is consistent and sustainable. Yeah, owners. And honestly, I really want to encourage you to stop fucking complaining about this, right? You're not just the CEO of your business. You are the CRO, the CEO. AO, you are the chief reminding officer and the chief accountability officer. It is your job to keep reminding your staff to do the things that they're meant to do, right? It is your job to hold them accountable to their higher self, right? To the KPIs that they said they wanted to own, but in a way that supports them and nurtures them. And, you know, you coach them. You don't just do it for them. You don't rescue them. This as well. is a great segue into the next one because don't mistake that for checking and chasing. If you're in that cycle, wrong cycle. I hate it. The third thing you need to do is give them ownership of the thing find and the, step out of the way. Find the right people, tell them where they need to get to, and then get the fuck out of the way. Correct. Is that what you're saying? It is exactly what I'm saying. Once they know that it's on me now, shit, you're there for support, but you're not doing it for them. We call it like the seagull, like you're not coming in and shitting everywhere and then leaving again when things go wrong. So it's developing them based on the first two things to be able to completely own the success or failure of that role and that KPI that they are accountable to and that they said they wanted to own. We see it so many times. If any one of the seven KPIs that we talk about at the Academy are off and we go, well, who's responsible for that? If there's a soft answer, like if it's not like a, it's Katie or it's Sam. If there's a kind of, well, it's kind of me and it's kind of them. It's like, well, fucking stop right there. Like, who are you not trusting? Huge. Who are you not trusting? And maybe it's yourself, right? And that's often where we start, right? It's not because of like the detail of the how, what happened with that particular newbie. It's actually getting the right people in the right roles, giving them the KPIs, showing them how to do it, equipping them, giving them the right tools, the right supports, and then getting the fuck out of the way and stop swooping in to rescue them. Stop swooping in and also like stop spoon feeding them. So we've all read a book called Multipliers and something that really stood out to me that I see you guys do a lot Who? is- the owners is you'll walk into a meeting, everyone's got their roles and their KPIs. Great. And then, all right, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. And the toilet's broken. Okay, cool. I'll fix it. And so the owner walks away with a notebook full of to-dos, even if they're not actually accountable or responsible for those things. Mm. Instead, your job is to coach them on the future that they're trying to create and the person they're trying to become and the role that they have agreed to by coaching them and teaching them how to think mm. and critically analyse that situation and go, what do you suggest? Mm. You guys did this tirelessly and you still do. It's also, okay, cool, that's the problem. What do you recommend? That's so much more empowering because now I can solve highly complex problems that Studio So probably couldn't have if you just, all right, cool, I'll fix it. You're now growing businesses all over the world. I think we're in nine or 10 different countries, way too many time zones to remember, and it might feel uncomfortable. Does it feel uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> I can sometimes see in Safi's face, he's like, can you just fucking tell me the answer? But it's like, no. I want to teach you how to think. Yeah. I want to teach you how to think. I want to empower you. Empowerment is a central theme in the academy, right? It's one of the very first things they feel when they come to us is they've been just basically told what to do or it's been done for them from various agencies or HQs or whatever. They come to us and then we teach them and they you can feel them. You can see it in them. They, they believe in themselves way more. So for you now, growing studios all over the world, it's because I haven't just given you the answer Yeah. along the way. Even as excruciating as that might feel sometimes. Exactly. So if you feel like as an owner- 
you've done all of the first and the second step and you feel like you've done the right thing, but you still end up doing all of the work for everyone or you're the last one to log off every day or whatever it is, have a think about how much you're absorbing those problems rather than leveraging and multiplying through your team to build more capable human beings because that's also part of the future that they want to create. Because if you're doing the opposite, you're accidental, and this was me, right? I was an accidental diminisher. You might be listening to this going, but that's not me. Like, I'm trying to do a good job. I'm trying to develop my team. I'm trying to empower them. And that was me as well. But you might accidentally be doing the opposite at the moment. And, you know, when we have our owners in the academy read this book and talk to us about what they sort of found, the number one thing that they come back with is, I fucking had no idea that I was a problem. And I love them for that. I love them for the self-awareness around that because that is the first step to becoming a world-class leader, a leader that deserves a world-class team. Mm. This isn't Captain Obvious stuff. I felt really hurt by it, like knowing or feeling that I was doing things that was actually similar to bad leaders. But I really, really focused on my leadership. But I just didn't realize that some of the things that I was accidentally doing was the wrong thing to do. So quick action there, side note, we'll have a link to Multipliers as a book, great book to read to transform your leadership. We'll have that in the show notes. Yeah. Love that. So step one, future. Step two, how, plus the psychological safety and the the cadence around how you're supporting. And then the third thing is teaching how to think and not absorbing it at all. You've got to get your people owning something in your business if you want to step away, if you don't want to keep absorbing it. So what's the best way that owners can start teaching their teams and their managers on how to think critically? Yeah, and we do this for the studios in the academy too because we want to empower you with problem solving so you can fix your problems for good and be able to, you know, overcome that next time as well. Your biggest thing and the inside joke is, like for anyone who doesn't follow Dozer on Instagram, this is half a shameless plug, half of the story, and it's an inside joke, right? Hey, Dot Dozer, by the way, if you want to follow me. Because <laughs> he always would hear, hey, Dozer. Hey, Dozer. It was Bulldozer, right, because that was like an old rugby name. God, you should have seen me out there. It was like, hey, Dozer, hey, Dozer, hey, Dozer. I was like, fuck, do you know what? That's basically my name now. <laughs> So I changed my Instagram account. So hey, Dr. Dozer, please follow me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, Jakes. Nah, um, seriously, though. Because <laughs> he was constantly being pulled into fires and, like, the first person we'd call with a problem would be him. So he started to teach us, and he was honest about it. He said, my Instagram username is Hey Dozer for this reason. And it was and- the Hey Dozer hotline. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ring, ring. Um, what I want to invite you to do is to try and problem solve it for yourself or amongst the team before you come to me because you're capable of doing this. I think my version would have been when you come to me with a problem and you've done no thinking around it, what you're basically telling me and the world, your parents, your friends, everyone who believes in you, that's as good as you get. And that hit me like in the best way. I was like, you're right. Yeah. And you've added no value. You're like, I know that's a problem. I don't need you to show me the problems are. Like, I've got problems. <laughs> and there's plenty of them, like, that you don't know about. So, like, when you've no, gone- we, we know. When you've gone, here's a problem, I go, great. And if you haven't given me anything else, like any other solution to that, it's like you've added no value to that equation. So, instead, what I'd love you to do- Is one, three, one, me. One problem, three possible solutions, and the one recommendation. So simple. One, three, one. Write that down, Dave. One, three, one. That's it. And then it's your vocab. Like, I was, cool, one, three, one me. One, three, one me. So, what's one that happened recently? It's even for simple things. Like, we hit a big target last week at work, which is super exciting. We hit two big targets. We thank hit, you very much. Yeah, we hit two. And we're going out to celebrate. And I was trying to, like, riff with Doze on, like, where should we go? And he just said, 
where my head was, was like, I don't need to decide this, do I? Like, this isn't decision tax, which was another episode that we'll talk about. We've got to, like, leverage the sort of magnitude of what decisions we need to make, which is why Steve Jobs, Zucks, Obama, they try and limit the amount of decisions that they make because of cognitive overload. So you're already stretched. You're at Bunnings, you're at Officeworks, you're looking for toilet paper in Woolies. Like, there's so many other decisions that you're making. Last one I want to make is where we're going to celebrate. But anyway, you go. Yeah. So he basically just said, can you send me the three recommendations and then like the one that you think and then we'll go with that. Basically. Yeah, like even one through one so on where should we go to celebrate this Friday? Yeah. Obviously, that's like a low level example. We do this every single day. Like I even hear Ben and Doza say that to each other in our mm. alpha meetings. It's not just to the staff because sometimes you have the most context in the business to be able to make that recommendation. Mm. I always found that super empowering and we would always be trained on back to the studio, coming to our captain's meeting weekly, having looked at our numbers, what's your 131, what's your plan? So we've already done some thinking before we even come to that meeting rather than we just sit down and wait for Doza to tell us, not our heads, and then don't do anything with it. That's probably what happens in a lot of studios. It is. Yeah. So see. if we're sitting there looking at the dashboard on a Monday, every single Monday, right? It never didn't happen. Mm. It never didn't happen, right? I struggled not to have it on public holiday Mondays like because it was so routine. But like, I didn't need you to tell me that it was a problem, that the retention was red. I can say that. What I'm more interested in is what your thoughts are around it. Yeah. What your thinking is around how you're going to solve that. Yeah. And like managers listening to this, you play a role in this, a huge role in this as well. Become a part of the solution. Mm. It's so much more empowering to enter that meeting with a plan and some prior thinking than to just kind of, this is an exaggeration, but like flop in after the last class, not really know what's ex- like ahead and what to expect. And then kind of just that's how you carry yourself into the week. And then you don't hit your target. So you keep working and working because you don't have a clear plan. You feel burnt out. You don't say anything and then you leave. So no one wins in that situation, especially not your members. So future, the how, and then teaching them how to think and own the solution. Owners, again, I'm going to say this, if you feel like you're the one that's doing most of the work, you shouldn't be walking out of those meetings with the biggest to-do list. Mm. If you're coaching your people on the person they want to become and the problem that they've like provided to you, the person they want to become, and then owning the solution that they've come up with to the problem that they've presented. So let me bring it back to the staff for a bit of a narrative arc here. So for that instance that I talked about in my breakout room, yes. where the manager said, we don't have two meetings, and the owner goes, what are you talking about? We had one this morning. What of all those things that you mentioned, like what might have been going on there or what was missing? I think it's the second part around having really clear expectations, like sitting down, documenting, and then every single week consistently, this is the meeting, this is the agenda, this is what's expected of you, here's how I want you to show up. People need to be told what's expected, otherwise they're just sitting there and they'll do whatever they think. Yeah, people need to be led. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely be the second part. One of our mentors always talks about cadence is culture, meaning whenever we sort of hear from studios that like don't have team meetings or it happens sometimes, they're the ones that have got the worst performances, right? So it's kind of the culture of these team meetings is we never miss this. This is a team meeting. This is how we expect you to show up to these meetings and we never miss this, right? And again, that is probably the big easy in terms of like the easiest thing to implement and it is okay like if it's so hard to get your team together like you probably haven't got the right design of the right team right you've probably got 15 casuals that all do one shift each every time that we had the best generations of teams it was either the awesome foursome or the starting five it was like four or five most of them are pretty stable they take 15 to 20 shifts each a week and there was one or two rovers one or two on the roster that might go between the different studios or the whatever your members need a stable team. You need a stable team to move forward and execute some of this stuff. This is actually so hard 
to do if you've got 15 casuals that do two shifts a week each. Yeah, and I'll also say the high performers within your business, they also want a stable team. Ooh, what happens if you surround like A or B players with C players? They all drop to C, the lowest level. So the C's don't go up to A's? No. Yeah. Yep. Huge. This is your way forward. So we wanted to make sure that we leave you with some super tangible things to implement. I want to also say if you're a manager listening to this and you're like, oh my God, yes, my owner is not doing these things. Insert yourself. Send this episode to them. Hey, I think that we could actually work on this together and get Mm. more out of each other if we had a good, good conversation about this, a robust conversation. I reckon we're missing three. What do you think? Yeah. It's also your job to make sure that this is working. Managers, if you don't speak up and if you don't do something with this episode, that you are actually part of the problem. Exactly. So, here's what you can implement to speak to your managers in a way where they'll be able to hear you consistently. Decide or at least articulate what is the future that you see for the players that you want to have like playing a big role in your business and then communicate it with them. Second thing is team meetings. If you haven't already paused this episode and then installed that in the calendar, Do it now. Mm. It's the biggest win. We did weekly with the captains and, you know, for the big team meetings, like we would do them monthly when we had a couple of studios and it was a feral workout. It was an upskill session. It was a workshop. And then it was like a real big team bonding stuff is what we really focused on just to make sure that everyone knew what the hell was going on over the next month. Team meeting with an agenda. Respect the meeting. It doesn't just get moved around because the wind blows the wrong way. Always show up and always communicate how you expect others to show up. That's how you're going to get the most out of it. Third thing, one, three, one. So coach your team on it and don't even take a notepad into those meetings because you shouldn't need it. Mm. That's it. Excellent. I'm really excited. So, you know, listeners, 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 this is particularly for good owners that have the potential to be great owners and good managers that have the potential to be great managers. But what's happening in between is like this mismatch of communication. You guys are just kind of out of sync. And then what really happens is your P&L looks average. You've got an average studio and your performance is average and just things feel hard. But everyone's super busy. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you install these things in in this, you know, 30-minute episode, Mm. it will improve not just your business. It will improve your members' experience, which is what you're there to do. It will improve your P&L. It will improve your performance. It will improve your life because you're going to reclaim some of your life back. You both will operate, you know, in your lanes at your highest capability and you're going to be able to serve more people, right? And just, you know, do more with your studio. So, With that, I'm going to thank you for listening to our podcast. Again, if you've been listening to our episodes, we love you. We love you. We love you. We know that you're ambitious. We know that you are on a journey of self-discovery and you want to do amazing things. You might just be missing some of the how, and that's what we're here for with you guys. And we're going to share as much as we can out of, you know, what we do with the Million Dollar Studio Academy. Yeah. And yeah, so if there's anyone that you want to share this to, please share it to three other studio owners so that that is on their radar as well. And you're going to be the one that they're going to thank because everything's changed in their life. So anything else, Soph, before we sign off? Yep. And if you're a manager, send it to your owner and mark off those three. That's it. Perfect. (laughs) All right, legends. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. But if you want more right now because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. 
And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week.